You know, uh, it's been a, a very amazing month, and if you've been here over the past couple of weeks, you kind of have been following along. If you haven't, uh, a couple things are taking place in our state that you may not understand right now, and, and maybe you might be on the fence, or, or you're thinking, well, what is this uh, happening in our state? And uh, you may see people waving signs or doing their sign waving, and it has to do with this special session that Pastor Ward was talking about that is coming up next week, Monday. And it has to do with a bill that is being put into law uh, regarding uh, same-gender marriage. And the bill has been updated, so if you want to look at it online, you can take a look. But it's still not the best bill uh, for equality, if they're looking for equality. Uh, something that I do want to communicate over and over and over again because some people are still not getting it. This has nothing to do with someone's sexual preference. This has nothing to do with someone who uh, lives a gay lifestyle or someone who says, well, I was just born this way. That's a whole different issue. The issue at hand right now is this special session that's taking place and the bill that's going to be put in which will make same-sex marriage a law. So that's what we're focusing on and bringing the vote back to the people. And some people would say, well, why, why, you, why would you want the people to vote? If the people voted on it, then, uh, and if we did that in our country, then slavery would still be an issue. Women would not be allowed to vote. Uh, and we wouldn't have equal rights because people would have to vote on these things. Uh, the problem with using that as an example is you're not changing the definition of those issues. With this bill that's going to be put in, you're changing the definition of marriage. So you can't even use those reasonings that happened in our past of the United States of America into this situation. So it's, it's, there are two different things. So that's what Pastor Ward is talking about. Next week, uh, it is the special session. So some of you will be flying up. And, and some of you, if you have the means to, uh, then we're going to give you some websites to go to. In fact, if you just go to our website under our Take Action page, It'll give you instruction on what you can do if you're on Oahu. It'll also help you to see what you can do uh, so that you're encouraged to fly to Oahu. Now, you might be thinking, I don't, I don't have the finances to do this. If you're supposed to be there, God will make a way. If you're supposed to be there, He'll make it happen. He'll provide for you. And the reason why it's good to be there is because they're going to have uh, testimonies uh, from us from the people during this session and the more people who are there to voice their uh, views the better because you need to be heard so and whatever side you're on of the if you are for it or against it whatever side you're on it's good to be there because uh, you need to be heard so it's going to go from monday till friday tentatively one more day Right now, it's a five-day session. It might go six. So it's not been uh, fully uh, stated that it's act uh, guaranteed six days. So if you need more information, you can see Lance Takai. I think he's going to be outside uh, tonight and uh, can bring you up to speed. If not, just go online to our website uh, in our Take Action page, and it'll help you to uh, get up to speed with what's been happening. Uh, we've been doing sign waving and things like that, and people are saying, are you even making a difference? I mean, why are you even doing something like that? Uh, yeah, it is making a difference because everything we do for the glory of God is bigger than us. 
And we're going to read tonight in the book of Judges, so you can turn to the book of Judges, chapter 6. And if you don't have your Bibles, I'm going to read this story. Because some of us will think, boy, if all the churches got together for this common cause, then everything would work out better. But that's not necessarily true. We've we got to remember this. In the kingdom of God, God is not uh, one-dimensional. He's not just a one-purposeful kind of God. He's multi-purposeful. So imagine if the whole entire church, all the churches got together and did one thing, yeah, it may make a difference. And then we would say, look at what we did. Or God would say, here are some churches that this is their assignment. Here's other churches that's their assignment. Here's your assignment for this season. And he'll disperse us that way because we still need people guarding the camp while we're going off into battle. So just because not all the churches are getting together, don't be discouraged about that. I've had pastors tell me, boy, it's so discouraging that so-and-so is not here, this person. I say, I'm not even looking at that. I'm looking at who is here. I'm looking at the, all the people who are, who are putting their hands to the plow and not looking back. That they're saying, this is the direction we're going for this season and we're going to plow ahead. It's kind of like you and your family. You can come home and you can complain all you want because nothing is clean, but look at all the things that are clean. Just try that. And I know, yeah, there's reason to grumble and there's reason to say, but this person doesn't clean up, and I understand that. Tonight, as we look at the, this story in the book of Judges, we're going to find that it's not always about the numbers, but it's about the one God who is able to do a mighty thing even though the odds may be against you. I'm going to read starting in uh, uh, chapter 6 of the book of Judges. And then I'm going to kind of skip around, so I'll let you know what verses I'm in. But in the book of Judges, chapter 6, it begins, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was... Whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. And then in verse uh, 6, So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 11, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Bezerite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So while Gideon is complaining to the Lord, the Lord doesn't even address what Gideon sees. Gideon says, Look at what's happening. This, this is all taking place. And if you said you're with us, then why is all this happening? And the Lord says, Have I not sent you? Yeah, but look at all of this. Look at what's happening in front of us. We're under the oppression again of someone else. Yeah, but have I not sent you? 
It's almost like God is saying, yeah, what you're seeing and what you're talking about is so petty compared to what I'm about to do. Kind of sounds like me sometimes. I can complain with what's not happening rather than what is happening. And God says, you're focused on the wrong thing. You got to focus on me and what I'm doing. So he said to him in verse 15, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. So again, another excuse comes up because I think we have a lot of excuses inside of us. And it's not like you give an excuse and God is going to say, shucks, I didn't know you thought that way. I got to change my plan. This is how the Lord responds. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I'm like, Lord, are you not even listening to his question? You're not even answering him. He said, How can I do this? I'm the weakest in my father's, in the, in the clan and in my father's house. And the Lord, what the Lord didn't say to him was, Yeah, you're right. You, you're pretty weak. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can do this because, yeah, you're, you're not the best in your father's house, and your clan is the weakest, so... Uh, let me get back to you, Gideon. Let me just get back to you. But the Lord just plainly states, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. It's like the Lord sees something else other than what, Midian's, uh, what Gideon sees. Gideon is looking at one thing while the Lord is looking at something else. I think Gideon is about to learn, instead of looking at what he sees and focus on what he sees, to go into a place where he can focus on what God sees and what God is saying. And I think that's a lesson for all of us. Instead of focusing on what we see and what we think should be done, let's focus on what God sees and what God is doing. Then and only then will this heart change more into the image of Christ. And then let's go to chapter 7, verse 2. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And watch this. 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Are you part of the 22,000 that you're fearful? And you're saying, Lord, I don't think I can do this. Because I think we've, we face those fears. But 22,000 of them left and 10,000 remained. Now, the Midianites were 135,000. So already the odds were against them. So 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, this is, this is so the Lord. Watch this. this. It almost seems unfair when God says something like this. He says, you know, uh, Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, anyone who gets down on his knees to drink and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, 
every man to his place. So, let me get this right, Lord. There's, there's 135,000 people coming against me if I was Gideon, coming against us. 135,000. We had 30-something thousand. That at least would give us a fighting chance. Of, uh, you know, what is that, four to one maybe? We got some good warriors, God. Come on. I know we, we don't have the best weapons, but we need the manpower. And God says, nah, because if that happens, then you'll, you're going to think it's you. And so they go through this test. And in verse 11, you shall hear, you shall hear what they say. Oh, I'm, excuse me, verse 9. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, it's like God gives him a, uh, almost like a clause, a, a, almost like a cushion or a, a, uh, like a little preview of, of what can happen, a little encouragement because I think we need encouragement from time to time. He says, why don't you go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid, go down, go down to the camp, with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So now, not only has God winnowed, uh, uh, narrowed down his army to 300, he's saying, now just you two go into the camp and just, just take a peek and just listen to what's happening. So he went down with his servant to the outpost of the armed men who was in the camp. Now, if you understand the history right now, Israel never had a blacksmith, uh, blacksmith so they had no weapons at this point because uh, going through uh, the different wars and battles that they had, uh, they were left without any blacksmiths. So now they have no swords. So they're going to the outpost with the men who are armed. I'm like, that's like Rambo stuff. That's, 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 those are one of those things that you see like The Rock do in movies that he'll go down with a, like a two by four and go against guys with guns. It's kind of like what's happening. So now here's Gideon and he's going down. And now the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companions. So now they're listening to this dream. He said, I have, a, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion, his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. Now did Gideon have a sword? He didn't. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian into the whole camp. So Gideon had nothing to do with that dream, did he? Gideon just went by and kind of took, took a peek and listened and listened to this man's dream. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. In other words, Gideon was saying, thank you, God. Thank you for at least doing that part, giving them that dream. Because right now, it's just me and Pura right now, poor thing, this guy, and 300 men. So he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men. Now this is where the wisdom comes in. He divided the 300 men 
into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand. A trumpet. Guys, we're going to war. Here's a horn. That's exactly what they probably did. Like, guys, we are the most fiercest warriors. Here's a horn. It's a ram's horn. Good luck. So he gives them a horn with empty pitchers. Empty pitchers. So he gives them like a clay pot. Empty. <laughs> so I hand you a horn and I give you an empty bucket. How encouraged are you at this point? How, how, how mighty do you feel right now? How strong do you feel? Do you, I mean, you're, you're heading into battle. You got a horn and a bucket. A clay pot. Which can break. Oh, and, and, torches inside the pitchers. So you got fire. You have fire, you have a clay pot, and a horn. So at best, you can have a nice kumbaya, campfire. You can play some songs. So I, I can't even imagine what the, the warriors were thinking. You know, yeah, anyway. So, and he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, watch what he says, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. That's what he says. He says, that's what you got to say. Now I'm like, where did you get that from? Why would you say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon? This is nothing. Oh, the man's dream. This is nothing but the sword of Gideon. Huh. So, Gideon caught something. He started to change his view from what he saw and what he could do to what God saw and what God was able to do. And instead of him saying what he normally said, he's now speaking like the Lord. He's saying things the Lord is saying. He's doing things that the Lord is doing. There's that switch. If you and I never make that switch, defeat will happen every single day. You feel defeated. You'll be discouraged. You have eyes that only see wrong. You have eyes to look for what is not happening. You have eyes to criticize and critique. After a while, you have a complaining spirit and you won't even know it. Gideon made that switch. And Gideon said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak like how you speak. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp. At the beginning of the middle watch, just as they, as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. So, I don't know if you've ever uh, got woken up quickly. I, I have. When Heidi says there's a cockroach, I get up quickly. And I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like, what is it? What is it? There's a cockroach. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. But that's my job. When you first awaken, you're, you're, you're not all there. So this is what happens in the midnight camp. They're all sleeping. It's in the middle of the night. 
while they're sleeping, Gideon surrounds their camp and then blows the trumpet. Now, I don't know if you ever heard a, a trumpet sound. Too bad we couldn't uh, have it tonight, but there's a, there's a distinct sound about this horn, and it's actually their battle cry. Now, 300 of them blow these horns, and then they break the pitchers of fire. So now you can see all of this fire. And 300 men shout, the sword of Gideon, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they yell that. Now, you're sleeping. All you hear are these trumpets blaring. And then you hear exactly what this man's dream was. That has, because gossip takes place. I mean, not here in this church, but gossip takes place. And so it spreads throughout the entire camp. Every single person knows that phrase, sword of Gideon. And what happens in the dream? They're flattened. So the first thing they realize is we're at war. Well, they get up, and I don't know about you, but I've been to places that everybody looks the same. Like, I don't know who is who. Like, people come here, and they go, wow, I can't tell you guys apart. I'm like, are you kidding me? What do you mean you can't tell us apart? Yeah, all you locals look the same. I'm like, what? It's like when you travel to certain places, you may think the same thing. Like, wow, you guys all look the same. So the Midianites get up, and all they know is they're in war. You know what they start doing? They start stabbing one another. They didn't even know who's their enemy. They're just like, quack, quack, quack. Who are you? Somebody says, Axu. So after a while, there's like dead bodies all around them, and you're, you're the only one left. And you still hear and see the fire all around the camp. So you're wondering, there must be a million of them. They're not even dying. The Midianites killed themselves. Some of them fled. Now, here's the, here's the best part of this story. I mean, yeah, you, you feel sorry people died. You have Gideon and his army, 300 men. <laughs> what did they do? Did they even have to lift a sword? Did they even have to fight in that battle? They did the possible. God took care of the impossible. You do what's possible. Let God take care of what's impossible because while you're doing what's possible, God is already working on what's impossible. That word impossible means you can't do it. So why even look at things that are impossible without God? We focus on the Lord because that's where our hope comes from. Because he'll take care of the impossible, which makes everything possible. You may feel like, boy, the situation I'm in, I, I don't know how to resolve it. I don't, I don't know how to resolve my marriage, my, my family. I don't, I don't even know what to do with this situation, with, the, with this law that, uh, or this bill that's coming into place. I, I don't know if my emails are making an, an effect or, or having an effect. I don't, I don't know if my phone calls are, are doing anything, so I'm just going to stop. I'm, I'm going to quit. I, I, I signed my petition, so I, I did my part. I did my email. I, I did all my part. But you can still do something. There's still possibilities that we can do ourselves. Some of you might fly to Oahu for this, uh, the testimonials and, and things like that. And maybe God is calling you to do that for a day or whatever it is. You can actually schedule yourself. But what are some impossible things that you see in your life or around you that you just think the odds are against you? 
And you think, there's no way possible I can do this. And while you're thinking about that, God is always working on the impossible. But here's where, here's where our faith comes in. Our faith comes in where our possible ends. Because if we never take care of the possible, it will never lead us toward the impossible. Impossible only happens when possible leads you to it. If Gideon just said, Lord, it's all you. You do what you need to do. Because God could, right? God could have said to Gideon, you know what? I, I can do this on my own. But faith, faith becomes real only when it's tested. It's the only time faith becomes real. It's only when it's tested. Otherwise, it's just words. It's just dreams. It's just wishful thinking. Faith only becomes real when it's tested. It's in the heat of the battle. It's when God says to do something you don't want to do and, and you go through with it. And God says, I'm going to be with you, but your faith is going to be tested. Can you do what I'm asking you to do? See, when God told Gideon 300, it was God's way. God's ways are always the best way. They didn't use normal warlike weapons. They had torches, which reminds me that when you're the light of Christ, it does something to the enemy. When you shine his light, it does something to the enemy. It confuses the enemy. If you've been trying to do battle against the devil, and you say, I'm going to just take him on. I'm going to take on the devil. I say, hold on a little bit. Step back. Just shine your light. Instead of focusing on what the devil is doing, focus on God. Because he's the hope. Don't get distracted by the enemy. Focus on God. These clay pots, the Bible tells us that we're earthen vessels. That we, we operate best when we're broken. We operate best when our hearts are contrite before the Lord, when we have a, a brokenness before us and humility, and we say, Lord, I die to myself. Yeah, I have all the right to do this, 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 and this, but I die to that in order that you may live through me. These clay pots had to be broken in order for the fire to expand. The ram's horn, when they blew the horn, they all had to blow in unity, in harmony, together, with one common goal. And when they did that, it made a, it, it made a sound that could not be made by itself just with a single horn. It all needed to be in unison. It all needed to be in unity so that it could make that perfect sound that needed to be made to strike fear into the enemy's camp. When God says, I want this heart to be unified with me, I want you to be in unity with me, my spirit with you and yours with me, it does something in the, in the spiritual realm that you cannot see. See, the army, the, the men probably was thinking, what is the horn going to do? It's only going to make a sound. But they forgot to realize, they, or they weren't realizing that God was doing something else in the camp that they could not do, which was strike a dream, spread it throughout the camp, and they've, they're already defeated. But now it's bringing that nightmare to realization by the blowing of the ram's horn and then saying, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. See, our, our 
heart with God and that connection with God is the major difference between becoming someone who is effective for the Lord and just remaining at bay, being okay with just my relationship with God. He may use you for a greater purpose that you don't know of. But if you never have that heart connected with God and all it is is just bad stuff coming up, then we're in disunity with the Lord and there's no harmony with His Spirit. And He says, you got to get in line with me because there's something that I'm doing. Next week, we're having our, our prayer and worship night. And I want to invite you to that because for some of us, we just need to be prayed over. Just our family and even during this season, we just need to pray and we're just going to come before God and worship Him. And that's actually the week of the special session, the night before our pumpkin party. So God is doing something. We want to seek His face and get before His throne because He's doing something that we cannot see all the time. He's going to do something powerful. We just got to make sure that our hope is in Him, that we're staying focused on Him because it's going to be Him. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5.10. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be persecuted means to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure or grieve or to afflict. Specifically to cause, suffer because of belief. Some of you may feel like you're being persecuted because you want to, uh, you want to defend uh, traditional marriage and how God designed marriage. And, and maybe you're taking a beating from your family and friends. You know, people on Facebook have, have blocked you already. You, uh, people have left churches because of this. And, and you may feel that family gatherings, you don't you even want to bring it up because it's going to be a big issue. And maybe you're hearing uh, people come against you saying, why are you hating and, and things like that. But when you stand for righteousness sake, and we heard last night, you go with grace and truth, not just truth, and ram it down people's throats. You come with grace, but you also bring the truth, the righteousness of God. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. Now, let me just clear this up real quick because I used to say this. Whenever I would act dumb to someone, whenever I would be wise to someone, whenever I would act cocky to someone, because of my arrogance, because I used to say, you know, idiotic things to people, and then they would say things against me, oh, I thought you was a Christian. I'd be like, wow, why? Oh, Lord, they're persecuting me, so that means I'm a, I'm a blessed person. No, I was just a jerk. So we got to differentiate the two between being a jerk and being persecuted. A jerk, persecution. Two different things. We got to be able to differentiate the two. We got to know the difference. Because if I'm saying, no, I'm just getting persecuted. I'm getting persecuted all day. I go work, they persecute me. Why? I don't know. How are you at work? I don't know, they all pick on me, but I've just been persecuted because I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I come late to work, but they still persecute me because I believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I say some things. I speak my mind, I speak the truth. So I speak the truth, and well, they persecute me, so I'm blessed. I'm a blessed man. You know what? I go work, everybody hate me. I'm a blessed man. I'm being persecuted. I'm being persecuted. And I thought, I don't think that's what the Lord was saying. But we turned that around. And we use it for self-gain. I got to make decisions based according to his righteousness, not how I feel. You know, we were sign-waving the other week, and um, if you're here tonight, I'm, I'm just saying this as an illustration, okay? And if you're here and you were that person, it's okay, nobody else knows but me. So we're doing the sign-waving, and all it says is let the people vote on marriage. 
And so here comes this man, and he has a sign that he made, and it, it says something about, you know, uh, the gay community and, and whatever else. And I couldn't read it because it was facing the other way. I saw a little bit of it. And he stands right in front of the sign that says, you know, vote on marriage. So he stands right there. <laughs> if one of the brothers that was there holding, you know, vote on marriage saw that, he's like, oh, yeah? Well, he didn't say that. It's, I'm just, you know, throwing in some for illustrated purposes. And so he held the sign right in front of that guy. I was like, oh, scrap. <laughs> so you have these two guys. And then the guy that's behind him, he went in front of him. <laughs> you remember that baseball game? You throw the bat, you do this, you do this, you do that. You, 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 know, you do that. I was thinking, they could keep doing that. Somebody can get banged because they're going closer to the road. And so I'm watching this, and I'm like, okay, I got to do something. So... I went up to the person, and I, I, I just touched him on the side, and, and uh, he was an elderly gentleman, and, and I said, Uncle, how are you doing? He said, good, good, good. And I said, um, so you, you, you came out today, and then you came all the other times? He goes, yeah. I said, thank you for coming out. Thank you so much. I said, um, let him go. And he said, huh? I said, Uncle, let, let him go. That, that's not what we're doing. That's not, our, that's not our fight. That's not why we're here. And he goes, oh, you stand in front of our sign. He's still blocking. The people no can see. I said, they can see. The guy not that big, you know. You're an eight-foot sign. The guy is, I don't know, six feet tall. And I, I, just, I just said, because that's not what we're doing. We've got to love. We've got to love. And so he stepped back, and, and they were fine. You're going to be persecuted for standing up for righteousness' sake. People will say things to you. Now, there is a time and place to, to speak out and to say something, but you're going to have to discern that. You're going to have to pick that so-called battle because no sense grumble with someone right there on the spot when their mind is already made up. But I tell you this, love never fails. The seed that you might be planting in that person's heart may eventually grow 10 years down the line. Just do what God is asking you to do at that very moment. And when you feel that heat come up, you know, and you like, you know, like punch somebody in the head, you ask the Lord for wisdom. And you say, Lord, right now, and you can say this to him, Lord, I like punch that guy in his head. I like slap him. I want to do this. I want to say this. And just listen to what the Lord will say. And they'll come back to me and say, oh, the Lord said, lick him. The Lord said, lick him. I heard him loud and clear and was even echoing, was reverb, was like, go, go, go. Lick him, lick him, lick him. I, I heard the Lord. It has to line up with his word. Just go back to the Lord and what he's saying. Psalm 34, 19 says, the righteous face many troubles, but the Lord rescues them from each and every one. The Lord rescues us from each and every one. Sometimes we just live out our, the outcome of what damage we've done and we think we're doing justice because of righteousness. God is saying, no, you're, you're reaping consequences of your decisions. It's not necessarily something that you're doing that is righteous. You're not being persecuted for righteousness' sake. You're reaping the consequences of the decisions that you made. Uh, some time ago, this is years ago, I sprang my finger uh, playing basketball. I came home, I iced it up, and then I taped it. And then uh, I told Heidi, I'm going to go play basketball this week. And she goes, how's your finger? I said, I, I taped it. I put it on a, you know, a stick. And uh, she goes, can you still play? Yeah, I can still play. She goes, okay. 
I think you should rest. I said, yeah, yeah. And wives, you know already where this story is going. So I, I play again, and I hurt my hip. So actually, it was this finger, I think, was hurt. And then my hip was sore. So husbands, we already try to hide it, right? You come in the house, and you, you hurt, and, and, but you cannot, like, limp. Because if you do, your wife can say, good for you, or whatever else. So I came home, and, and I, I, I couldn't. I had to limp. And I was like, oh, Heidi's right there. And she goes, what happened? And I said, oh. Not to this small kind of hip thing. She goes, oh, maybe you should rest. And I said, nah, I go, I, yeah, I'll go rest, stretch out a little bit. I'll, I'll be all right. She goes, okay. So the hip got a little better. And then we're going to play basketball again the, the following week. And so I said, yeah, I'm going to play basketball after church on Sunday. She goes, why don't you just rest? Your body broken. Just rest up. And I said, um, yeah, yeah, but we, I just can play light. I just can play light. <laughs> Hard for do that when you have a competitive spirit. So uh, that game, I got a black eye. <laughs> so I came home. How are you going to hide one black eye? Hey, honey. How are you doing? Hey, so what is that over there? You saw that over there? I couldn't. I came home. This is what she did. She looked at me. She went, good for you. <laughs> That's what she said. Amen. That's a wife right there. I can still play with a black eye. So the next week when I went, I said, Heidi, we we'll play basketball. She goes, why don't you just rest? I said, but I, I can. I can see. It's only just dry blood. It's, it's, it's good. I can see out of my good eye. It's fine. Came back, sprained the other finger. So by this time, I'm like, there's no way possible I'm going to let Heidi know that I'm injured. So I came home, and I, I had to figure out a way how I was going to ice my hand without her knowing. So I came home, went to the uh, freezer, made a bag of ice, and put it on the counter, and I, was, I put the bag of ice on top. And Heidi didn't see me doing that, so I was fine. And then she passed by. She goes, what is that? I said, oh, bag ice. <laughs> and she goes, what now? I said, no, I'm hot. <laughs> I said, I'm hot. <laughs> so I just... And she knew I was joking already. She said, I told you to rest. And, and then I, I had to rest. And I thought, what I do in the physical usually is a reflection of what I'm doing in the spiritual. That this wasn't at rest. This wasn't at rest with God. And Sometimes when we rest with God, even though the odds are against us, even though problems come our way and we're resting in God, it's different. Your, your spirit is stronger. You, you, there's a different sense of, of what you're capable of, and you're wiser at that point because you're not making decisions based on what you cannot do. You're making decisions based on what you can do and being okay with what you cannot do because then God will work out those things that are impossible. As Proverbs 11.23 says, it says, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to have a wicked heart. I want to do as Psalm 139 tells me, Search me, O God. Psalm 139.23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. 
point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. To point out, the scripture means to inspect. That we, got, we give God permission to inspect. You know what happens when he cleans out our heart? As Psalm 33, 1 tells us, it says to rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. And Jesus caps it well. He says in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. It needs to be falsely. If they're saying evil things about you and it's true, it doesn't work. Falsely, for my sake, it has to be because of the Lord, not because of our own flesh, because of you, Lord. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who went before you. When you're persecuted on behalf of Christ's sake, you're in the same stadium as the prophets that went before you and I. We're now in that cloud of witnesses that cheer on everybody else because we all will be persecuted if we stand up for righteousness' sake. It's just a part of the world we live in. But praise be to God that even against all the odds, when we see what he sees and say what he's saying and think like how he thinks, he takes care of the enemies. The battle is already his. All we need to do is break this earthen vessel, let the fire out, and be, in unif be unified with the Lord. Amen. You close your Bibles. We're going to pray. Just bow your heads with me for a moment. Let's pray. Lord, we're a, a part of the body of Christ, and, and, and some of us are, are a part of what we're doing with this take action and the bill that's been put in during this special session and, and maybe some may feel that they're not making a difference maybe some are feeling that the odds are against them or, or they haven't done anything yet but Lord we can do the possible and you work on the impossible right now it seems impossible for certain areas in our lives whether it be family or a relationship uh, struggles that we go through, finances, jobs, it seems impossible, but we work on the possible. Even with the special session, Lord, it can seem like it's impossible for us to, to advance the kingdom of God in this season. But Lord, we're going to do everything that we can, even though it may seem like the odds are five to one. We're going to see what you see. We're going to say what you say and think like how you think. We're going to keep our eyes on you. For that's where our hope comes from. But we trust in you, Lord. And I pray for every single person, Lord, here tonight, that they wouldn't look at the odds, but that they would look to you. Because you're the only one who can do what we cannot. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We all said... Amen. Amen.